This morning, I want to start by asking you some questions. We're going to be talking about generosity, and I'm curious what comes to your mind when you think about this particular character quality. What does generosity look like? What does it take to be generous? If you have a thought on this matter, I'd love for you to just shout out an answer to those questions. Selfless. To be generous, you need to be selfless. You what? You can't outgive God. Very good. I heard another one over here. To be spontaneous. Ooh, I like that. Spontaneous. Yeah. Generosity can't always be planned, can it? Good. To give above and beyond. Anyone else? To expect nothing in return, yes. Very good. These are all good insights. I appreciate that. I have the advantage over you, of course, because you've only been thinking about it for just a minute or so, and I've been thinking about this all week and even beyond in preparation for this message. And I've spent a lot of time praying and thinking and, and looking into these Bible passages that we'll explore in just a minute. And as I ponder generosity, it occurs to me that trust plays a significant part in how this works out in our lives. If my trust is in my money then I'm more likely to be self-centered and I'm probably going to find it much harder to share it with others. If my trust is in Jesus, though, then it's probably going to be much easier to open up my hands and express generosity by sharing some of what God has given to me. And trust, like so many vital parts of life, ultimately is a matter of the heart. As we give our hearts more to Jesus, we learn to trust Him more. And as we learn to trust Him more, then it becomes much more natural to be generous. Generosity is extremely important to Jesus. And He tells us that generosity is a matter of the heart. That's where it begins. And He spells this out for us in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. Let's take a look. This is Jesus speaking. It's in the middle of his Sermon on the Mount. And he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where's your heart? Where's my heart? What is it we treasure? Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I hear that word treasure, I immediately think of buried pirate loot. (laughs) Maybe I've seen too many movies. Or I like to think of a ship that went down, a legend about a ship with with a cargo full of riches that's lying somewhere beneath the sea just waiting to be discovered. And I love those kinds of stories and and legends, and they fire the imagination. But the fact is, treasure is not simply the stuff of legends. We all have treasures. We have assets because we have money and possessions. And if our priorities are not in order, then we can be motivated to store these up, which means we hold on to them for our own exclusive use. And Jesus talks about that because it's exactly what many of his original listeners were doing. 
They were holding on to their money, holding on to their possessions because they believed that a poor person was a bad person. And they believed that a person who had stuff was a good person. And they wanted to impress God with their money and possessions to show that they were good people. Unfortunately, as a result, they often found it hard to be generous with poor people because why would you want to share your stuff with bad people? And unfortunately, a lot of people still think that way today. And this is thinking that Jesus challenges. And he reminds us that we need to hold our earthly assets loosely because we can lose them so easily. They can be taken away from us by things like moths and vermin and thieves. Anyone can be victimized by these things. Moths can come in and eat up our clothing. And you know what's really interesting? It doesn't matter if it's plain clothing or a designer fashion. It's not immune. The moths don't discriminate. Vermin, pests can come in and eat our food. Anybody ever had a rat get into your pantry? And thieves can steal our stuff. Jesus is highlighting only a few of the ways that we can lose our treasure. There's many more. The economy can tank. We can lose our job and become become unemployed. The stock market can go down. We can have our investments in real estate, and that real estate market can can decline. I've experienced some of those kinds of losses. And you have too. And they can be painful. It's painful when we've tried to accumulate some resources and then they go away for whatever reason. And yet the most painful thing is to realize that the stuff we value so much in this life, the stuff that we ache over if we lose, actually has no eternal value. We need to constantly remember that we live in a world whose values are inverted from the values of the kingdom of God. And what's tragic is that some people spend a lifetime building up the wrong kind of treasure. This is illustrated in many ways in the Bible, but here's one of my favorites. The Bible tells us that the streets of heaven will be paved with gold. Now think about that. In this world, we think gold is this incredible treasure. And we want to mine it and hunt it and pursue it and store it up. And in heaven, we're going to just walk all over it. Because the value system is different. And in fact, there's an old joke about this reality. Some of you are familiar with this. It's a story about a man who spends his life accumulating his wealth and he is determined to take it with him. And so before he dies, he converts all of his assets to gold, and he puts all this gold bullion in a big trunk, and somehow, someway, he he manages to take that truck with him into the trunk, with him into the next life. And so he comes marching up to the gates of heaven, dragging this trunk. Peter comes out out to meet him and says, hey, what's in the trunk? And the man flings open the lid and says, look at my gold. And Peter says, pavement? (laughs) You brought pavement? We got plenty of pavement. (laughs) Silly story, but I think it makes a point. A point that the man invested in the wrong kind of asset. 
That's why Jesus tells us here in his Sermon on the Mount to invest in heavenly treasure. Heavenly treasure doesn't rust or rot or get stolen. It lasts forever. And this forces us to ask then, what is it that actually lasts forever? The answer is people. Men and women and children made in the image of God. Men, women, and children for whom Jesus died. We last forever because there is a life beyond this one. And therefore, nothing that we have and nothing that we own compares to the value of another human being. People are the real heavenly treasure. Way more important than things. And that's where Jesus is telling us to invest. And I believe Jesus is saying here that if we value things more than people, then our hearts are in the wrong place. And because people are so incredibly important to God, people should be important to us, and Jesus wants us to have hearts that are inclined toward generosity. And he makes that abundantly clear in what he says next. Let's continue on in verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? <coughs> Excuse me. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus' comments there in verse 22 and 23 might strike you as just a little bit confusing, but it would have been, his meaning would have been perfectly obvious to his original audience because in the first century, people viewed the eyes as the window into the heart. Jesus is saying that how we view the world around us reveals a great deal about what we treasure in our heart. And what he wants us to treasure is generosity toward others. And this is really clear when we understand the words that he uses to describe this. In the original Greek text, the word for healthy implies generous. And the word for unhealthy implies stingy. It's really rather pointed Jesus is saying that stingy people are unhealthy. They're going through life with some spiritual darkness. They don't see God clearly, so they can't see the beauty of generosity toward other human beings made in the image of God. And conversely, people who are generous are healthy, and they are going through life experiencing some spiritual light. They see God more clearly, so they value what God values. And they enjoy using whatever treasure they have to be generous and to make a difference in the lives of other people. Two distinct kinds of people here that Jesus describes. And the differences between them, the difference between stinginess and generosity boils down to trust. You see, generosity requires us to surrender our self-centeredness to God so we will trust Him more than our earthly treasure. And if we don't surrender, 
then we're going to have a divided heart. And we will resent God for asking us to be generous. If we want to follow Jesus' advice here and give our heart to God, then it's essential that we surrender. That we surrender to completely to God. And Jesus makes this powerful point in a rather distinctive way in another interesting interaction he has that's recorded for us in Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 to 22. Let's take a look at this story. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him. That's Jesus they want to trap, to trap him in his words. So that tells us their motives. Listen to how they approach Jesus, though. Okay? They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you're a man of integrity. <laughs> I don't believe that. And that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. They're just trying to butter him up. They don't mean a word of it. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose image is this, and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And when they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. Now, this is, a, this is a fascinating little story because the Pharisees and the Herodians are not natural allies. They disagree on some fundamental things, and, and, and they kind of hate each other. <laughs> but here they team up because no matter how much they hate each other, they hate Jesus more. And so they hatch this plan to make him look bad. They decide to approach him. They're going to ask an insincere question. The goal is to trap him. The question they ask is about taxes. Now, the Pharisees don't like Rome. They think paying taxes to Rome is religiously wrong. The Herodians like Rome. They believe paying taxes to Rome is politically right. And so here's the dilemma. If Jesus says, yes, we should pay our taxes, then the Pharisees can attack him for his incorrect religious views. Jesus says, no, we shouldn't pay our taxes. Then the Herodians can attack him for his incorrect political views. They think they're really crafty. They think they've got him boxed in. They think they put Jesus in a no-win situation. But, of course, Jesus outwits them. And he does so by asking a question of his own. It's a question about the image of Caesar on the coin. And by asking that question, Jesus dramatically shifts the nature of the conversation because now it's a question not about taxes, but about God. You see, Caesar's image was on the coin because he was to be revered as a god. His image on the coin was represented as a divine image. So Jesus essentially is saying, instead of talking about the taxation of money, let's talk about how we honor the divine image. Go ahead and give Caesar his tax. It's just money. And in fact, Caesar must be a pretty poor God if the only thing made in his image is a coin. What's really important 
is to give to God what is made in His image. Who is it that's made in the image of God? Once again, the answer is people. People. We carry God's image. His inscription is upon us. And so we can give our money to Caesar. It's just money. More importantly, we should give ourselves to God. We don't surrender to Caesar. We don't surrender to money. We surrender to God totally, completely. We surrender to him and let him bring us to the point where we can say, everything I am and everything I have is his because I am made in his image. When we surrender to God, when we let him truly capture our heart, everything begins to change. Expressing generosity toward others becomes so normal and natural. When we surrender to God and we give him our heart, our vision clears and we see God more clearly. We see life differently. And we start asking different questions. And so, for example, when an opportunity comes along to be generous, we don't say, well, what can I afford to give? Instead, we say, Heavenly Father, in this moment, with this person, in this situation, how do you want me to express generosity by sharing with others some of what you've given to me? When we surrender to God, we give Him our heart, everything changes. And we find that our grip on our stuff just naturally loosens. And generosity is something then that we do not do grudgingly or painfully. We do it willfully and joyfully. And one of the things that I love about being part of a community of faith is that you and I each have a chance to give away stuff individually. And we also do it as a group. We get the opportunity to express generosity together through our combined resources. And as a church, in any given year, we give away a lot of money. And we do that because we want to be a generous church, a generous community. We take 13.5% of every week's offerings and we give it away. We invest it in local and regional and global outreach. We also set aside each year thousands of dollars for benevolence to help people who are living on the margins. And from time to time, we take special offerings to meet special needs that exist outside our walls. A bit later in the service, we're going to have an opportunity to express our generosity by giving money toward Thanksgiving baskets. We're going to buy food and stuff that people need. We're going to fill these baskets, and we're going to give them away to people who don't always have the benefit of a full pantry. We want to be generous to them so they have a reason to thank God. And we have the privilege of being the means by which God meets their needs. 
And as we do this together, we want everyone in our church family to be able to participate. Because we believe that as we do these kinds of things, then together we're investing in heavenly treasure. But our world is changing. And in this changing world, traditional ways in which people give to the church, things like cash, writing a check, are less and less easy for some people. There are fewer and fewer people in our culture who actually own a checkbook. Did you know that? More and more people are handling their finances online using digital tools. People increasingly shop and donate and invest through the internet and through mobile apps. And I know there's a few of you that have no idea what an app even is. But for some people, that's how they do life. And we want to make that available as an additional way to give. And this morning, we're going to introduce you to Gardenway's new digital giving options. So starting today, you can use a, an app on your smartphone to make a contribution. You can also go to our website, and there is a page called Give, and you can use the function on that page to make a contribution to the ministry. It's a way for you to join with us and participate in our efforts to be generous. I'd like you to watch a little video here in just a minute that's going to describe the mobile app. And then Joel Powell, our church treasurer, is going to come to the platform. He's going to walk through how the giving function works on the church website and provide us with some more information. So please turn your attention to the screen. It seems today like there's a smartphone app for everything. Paying for coffee, checking in for a flight or arranging for a ride. That's because apps make life easier. We know you want the same ease and convenience when giving to the church. Give Plus Church puts the power of secure smartphone giving directly into your hands. In a few quick steps, you can make gifts and payments through your smartphone. First, go to App Store or Google Play to download the free Give Plus Church app. Just search for Give Plus Church to find it quickly. The first time you open the app, you'll be prompted to enter the name of our church. Or, after you allow the app to access your location, use the Find Churches Near Me feature to search for it. After you select our church, it becomes your home church. The next time you open the app, it will already be displayed. You can give as a guest with Give Plus Church or create an account. This will allow you to set up recurring gifts, save your payment information for future donations, and access your giving history. When you create an account, you'll enter your email address and choose a password. You'll also be able to log in with your smartphone's Touch ID or fingerprint, or with a PIN. Follow the prompts in Give Plus Church to set up donations to one or more funds. Then, choose your method of payment. Donations can be made with major debit and credit cards or with a bank account. Enter your information manually or scan your card with your smartphone's camera. You can also check a box that adds to your donation to help offset processing fees. If you're logged into your Give Plus account, you'll also get an emailed receipt. We hope you'll enjoy this new way to contribute to our ministry and thank you for your support. 
call or visit the church office to ask about Give Plus Church and the other electronic giving options we offer. Good morning. So uh, the Finance Committee has actually been monitoring the possible use of various digital giving options for quite a few years, actually a number of years. And that's because we're certainly aware of the current trends and just the effect that e-commerce has on our lives pretty much every, every day. But you'll notice we didn't just jump into this immediately for, for really a, a variety of reasons. Uh, ones that include things like just security. Um, we wanted to be sure that we weren't doing something that would somehow compromise our members' financial data. So we want to be really careful with that. We also wanted time to kind of weigh the additional costs. There are costs associated with this, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. So we wanted to kind of weigh those costs and decide, does this make sense to do this from a financial reason? And then there was just the whole uh, thought of, is there demand for this? Is there an interest? Do we really need to go this route? Well, as time went on and online activity has become much more routine, we could see there was definitely a growing interest among our members to expand the um, giving options that we have. And so that's where we are today. What you see is a culmination of a fair amount of time and effort to really investigate and present to the church an option that at least we believe does the best we can in terms of addressing the earlier concerns that we had, as well as providing, again, some additional opportunities for each of you. Before I get into a lot of that, I really want to stop and just thank uh, Bruce and the rest of the staff for the additional work that they've done. They were the ones that really were involved in getting our website updated to be able to interact with our hosting uh, partner, as, as well as just in the month of October running a series of test transactions to make sure this was going to work the way we had hoped it would work so we could roll it out to, to all of you. So again, thank you to uh, Bruce and the staff. The video you just saw was an introduction to how you could use your smartphone. And what you're going to see when we get into the website is something very, very similar. So I'd like to have you take a look. We just have some uh, screenshots that will kind of walk you through how that might work if you were to go online. The first one is just the, the general church website. And uh, other than the turkey dinner that's, uh, that's there, you'll see up in the upper right-hand corner a button called Give. And if you click on that button, it'll take you to, again, a series of screens that are fairly similar to what we just saw in the, uh, in the video. Um, one thing I will let you know, the first time you do that, I don't know if it's just my computer or not, but the first time you do that, it might take a little bit to load that up. Once I had it loaded, the next time I went into it, it was much quicker. But the first time I did it, it did take me a little bit. So don't, don't give up on it. It will, it will load up. What you'll see, just to kind of orient you, in the upper left-hand column, of course, there's a, or a corner, there's a, a menu button. And we'll get to that in, in a little bit. Uh, off on the right, there's a sign in or sign up. Uh, again, we'll get to that in a little bit, too. What I really want to call your attention to right now is just where it says Give Now and then select a fund. And there's, below that, there's like a one-time button and then an amount. Well, the select fund and the one time, those are drop-down menus. And if you click on the select fund, it's actually going to open up um, a, a screen that will show five different funds. And those five funds are the funds that we believe are most likely to be the ones that are going to be used 
here um, just based on past history. General fund obviously is the probably the default one that most people are going to be using, but there are a number of individuals who like to donate to uh, say the mission fund, benevolence fund, housing grounds for different projects. And then you'll see one called special offering. That special offering is for things like what we're doing today. And that one I would say should have a fairly limited use for you because if you just put it in the special offering, I'm not going to have any idea what you want me to do with that unless it's oriented around something that we're doing, like today with the um, Thanksgiving baskets. Another one that will be coming up shortly will be the Holt Elementary Christmas offering that we do every year. So that would be another one where we would certainly be willing to, uh, to use that. Once you've identified the fund, the next thing you're going to do is click on the frequency, or the, whether it's one time or, um, or more often that you, you do this. If you click on anything other than one time, you are going to have to set up an account, and that's where you'll have to sign in and, and set that up. And the reason is because once you set that up, then you can basically forget about it. I mean, you literally could go in at the first of the year and plan your giving for the next year, if that's what you wanted to do. You could uh, set it up to where it came out, say, like on the first of each month, uh, or you could uh, pick a specific date, you pick a start date, but you have the ability to control that for a period of time until you decide you want to stop. So you might say, well, what if I set it up at the beginning of the year and then want to change that? Well, go in and change it. That's where you go into the account. There's maintenance-type features there where you can, um, you can do that. And we kind of talked about that. There will be a calendar there where you can uh, reflect on, on what you want to do in terms of, of setting that up. Um, once you have determined the frequency, then you set the amount. And once you click on the Add Donation, there will be a box that shows up over on the right that gives you an opportunity to review that and decide, is this really what I intended to do? And if that's what you had intended to do, then, then you go ahead and just click on, on Next which is, how are you going to pay for it? And so when you click on, on that screen, you'll see that you have a variety of options. You can either use a credit or a debit card, or you could use a checking or, or savings account. And you can see little radio buttons there to indicate where you want yours to, to come from. And um, once you, again, have decided that, you can click on, click on Next, and it's going to take you to, again, a screen that will, will ask, do you want to help add uh, an amount to cover some of the um, transaction costs? So I want to talk just a little bit here about transaction fees. Um, there are fees associated with this. If a person uses either a credit card or a debit card, then the church gets uh, assessed a 2.75% fee. So if someone was to contribute $100, there would be a $2.75 fee that went along with using the, uh, the credit card. And so one of the things that Banco does is to add an opportunity for the person who's making a contribution to, to cover that. I, I want to be really clear here that, to me, giving is something that is very much between you and God. Uh, we're not expecting that you would do that. We're not advocating that you do that. Uh, I'm not even going to be monitoring whether you do that. And in fact, nobody will probably know other than I will see it when we look at the reports that come out each month. But nobody else will see that. The only people that would ever know that are, are Dina and I. And frankly, we don't talk to anybody other than just ourselves about things like that. So don't feel any pressure. 
But again, because I know that some people do like to have their options, we have retained that as, as one of the options that, that are there. If you do a, uh, what's called an ACH, which would be uh, a checking or a savings account uh, transaction, those have a 1% fee. So it's a little bit less if you do, do it that way. And again, if that's what you were doing, then the box that you saw, if you clicked on, on a checking or savings account, would be, do you want to add a 1% amount to this? So again, just telling you that so that you know your options, but that needs to be something that you decide what you want to do. Just wanted to uh, also indicate, if you click on the, the menu button up in the upper left-hand column, then what's going to show is this uh, screen that kind of gives you an opportunity to look at what your history has been. It provides a number of, of different things. This is where you'd go also if you wanted to change one of those recurring donations that you'd set up. If you wanted to see what your giving history was, you could click on that. It will tell you that. It will give you a history of whatever you have, have done. And that, uh, again, is something that will only capture what you've done online. Obviously, if you're doing online giving as well as putting checks in, uh, Banco's not going to know about that. And so all you're going to see are your on online ones. But at the end of the year, when you get your charitable contribution receipt, you will see both of those on, on there. So we are uh, interfacing with our uh, church management software so that we, we can also track your donations both from a check or cash standpoint as well as uh, what is happening online. In your bulletin, there's a brochure that has what I'd call some frequently asked questions there. I want to highlight just a couple of, of those uh, that I think are important. One question you might have is, well, is this the new normal? Is, do we have to use this? Is this the only way we can give now? The answer is no. We're still going to have the offering box in the back. People who prefer to write checks or give cash, you're welcome to continue to do that. But we do have these couple of options to where you can either use the app or the website to uh, provide an additional way to do that. You might want to know, will my donation, if I do it online, will I get some confirmation of that? And again, the answer is yes, if. And the if is if you are providing the um, means to do that, which is basically your, your email address and uh, probably a, a password, because you're probably going to want to set up an account if that's, if that's what you're concerned about and wanting to do that. Uh, you might wonder, uh, we kind of addressed this, but who has access to these online uh, records, given the fact that it's on our website? Who's going to see that? Well, again, that's my wife and I, as the church treasurers, are the only ones that can see that. We have the ability to set that up through Vanco, and we've restricted it to where we're the only ones that would see that. So we've done everything we can to try to keep it as confidential as possible. If I were you, a question that I would have is, is this safe? Have we done the right things to to know that this is going to be safe. And what I would tell you is we've done everything that we know to do. We partner with a group that uh, represents that they have um, maintained the highest industry standards in terms of uh, preserving confidentiality and, and encrypting data. They've made sure that we have updated our website in a way that ensures that that will happen. But I also want to tell you that cyber cybersecurity is an issue that we're facing with every day in our lives. And so are there guarantees? No. No, there's no guarantees. What I would say is that you and, and myself as individuals are probably the best defense against that, though. If you haven't gotten a phishing email yet, I, I don't think you probably have an email account because otherwise you probably have, have, have gotten those. 
And so you have to be really careful about clicking on things. If you were to get an email from myself or Bruce or someone else from the church that wanted to, quote, verify your data, so just provide your password and, and we would have to use that to verify your data, delete that email. We will never do that. So just be really, really careful. And I, again, I think we've taken the steps that we can to make this as safe as, as possible and to make sure that we don't compromise anything there. We talked about feeds, and I'd identified that there's a um, credit card, debit card fee of 2.75%. There's a ACH fee of 1%. Um, there's also some other fees that the church has, and this is sort of in the interest of full disclosure. There's a 45 cent transaction fee on uh, every, every transaction that's, that's done. Uh, there's also like a $10 fee that the church pays. But uh, again, in a whole scheme of things, we felt like those fees were fairly manageable, fairly reasonable for the additional opportunity that's being provided here. So at this point, you might be just wondering, is this going to be complicated? Is this going to be difficult to use? And uh, my answer to that is I don't think so. I think you'll find it fairly intuitive. If you're using something today like Amazon Prime or other ways to do online shopping, you're going to find this to be very, very uh, routine. On the other hand, if when I said Amazon Prime, your first thought was something like riverfront property in South America, then you might have a few questions. <laughs> and, and that's okay. That's okay. You can come and talk to either uh, myself, uh, Bruce, or probably better yet, one of your grandkids. <laughs> so with that, thank you very much. <clears throat> thank you, Joel. I'm so grateful for the work that you and the finance committee do. You know, we have a, a large and diverse congregation, and we all deal differently with the online world. And as I was listening to Joel's presentation, I realized there are some that as he was talking, it truly was Greek to you. <laughs> and there's some of you going, why are you giving us so much information? Just point us to the app and we're good to go because you live in that world. It's your life and we've got everybody in between. So appreciate Joel taking the time to explain it so that hopefully everyone's informed. And I did notice that as he was talking, I saw some of you get out your smartphones and you're starting to download the app there. And that's great because we want to begin using it. I absolutely love being part of Garden Way Church because this is a great community of faith. Like every community of faith, <clears throat> we have our strengths and our weaknesses, but one of our great strengths is that we have a default toward generosity, and we have learned to enjoy being generous together. And we express this in a variety of ways all year round, but we express it very strongly in the last few weeks of the year. Starting today and on into December, you get the privilege of joining with us. We get to join together in acts of generosity so that we can together invest in heavenly treasure. We want to express generosity so that we can make a difference in the lives of men, women, and children who are made in the image of God. And so in just a few minutes, we're going to receive a special offering for the Thanksgiving baskets that we're going to give away. I'm going to give those away next Sunday, and you can come and help us pack the food and deliver the baskets. Also, starting next week, there's going to be an opportunity to purchase Christmas gifts for children in foster care, many of whom would not have Christmas without, without outside help. And then next month, we're going to have our annual benefit concert to help needy families connected to Holt Elementary School, the school right here in our neighborhood, the school that we partner with in many different ways. 
These are just some of the ways that we try to express generosity together. And we want you to be part of this so you can experience the joy of generosity. As we wrap up, here's the question I believe that God wants us to ponder. We've learned some things from Jesus today. And based on what he has said to us, is there a next step that he might want you or me to take? Or we might ask the question this way. How might you and I express generosity in new ways that will make a difference in the lives of other people?